Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Teddy. I'm going to tell you about a 1988 Broadway play called M. Butterfly. And this play is a Tony Award winner for Best Play. And it was even a Pulitzer Prize drama finalist for the year after in 1989. Ooh. And when you hear about the premise of the play, I think you'd find it very hard to believe. This play isn't still um, playing. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Okay. Alright, and the name of the play is called M. Butterfly, not Madame Butterfly, which is another opera about an American soldier, his Japanese wife, and romantic betrayal. But this play is about romantic betrayal. Okay. Okay. So now the play is about a Chinese opera singer who seduces a French diplomat, pretends to have his child, and then uses him for espionage to steal secrets from France for the Chinese government. Oh, it's very complicated. <laughs> what do you think the great betrayal is? Was she pretended to marry him and have his child and then steal secrets for her. <laughs> Isn't that all the great betrayal? <laughs> the great betrayal is that the whole time for 20 years the Chinese opera singer was a man pretending to be a woman. Oh, so this is like Mulan. <laughs> <Right>? Same storyline. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> now you'd think that this would be very difficult to believe. Like, if you brought this to a production house, they would be like, oh, that, that sounds a bit too much, right? Yeah. Except it was based on a true story. Huh. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're exploring the case of the real M. Butterfly, the Chinese spy and opera singer who deceived the men for 20 years while pretending to be a woman. Now, we are going to start off the case with Shi Peipu. Shi Peipu was born on 21st of December 1938 and he was born in Shantung, China. His father was a college professor and his mom was a teacher. And he had two sisters, but it's said that his sisters were a lot older than him. I think because of his dad, he had a fairly privileged background and he grew up in Kunming, attending Yunnan University. And very rare for Chinese people of the time, he actually learned French. Now, when he was about 17, he started acting and singing and he started taking part in traditional Chinese opera. You know, the one where they have like the face makeup and mm. everything. Yep. Now, you can tell that he was a good actor and you can also tell that he was pretty intelligent because he ended up writing a lot of these plays. 
And I think it's pretty hard to make a living as a theatre performer or as an actor. So when he was a little bit older, in his early 20s, he also made money by teaching Chinese to the families of diplomats. Now, when we talk about this case, we also have to talk about Bernard Bossico. Now, Bernard was born on 12th September 1944. And so he's about six years younger than Shi Peipu. I don't know why I'm saying it like Shi Peipu. It's pronounced Shi Peipu, I Isn't think. Part of it is his surname. It shouldn't be like Shi. Shi is his surname. Peipu oh, is his. Colin Peipu. Okay. Colin How Pei. about Pipi? Pipi. Poo. Okay, so, so we're talking about Bernard now, alright? And based on Bernard's childhood, I'm assuming he is also reasonably bougie because he attended boarding schools all through his childhood. And during his childhood in boarding schools, he had relationships with other boys. Okay. It is also said that he just thought that this was a rite of passage, so you may have something that I have to just French. Okay, he was like, oh yeah, I, um, homosexuality is just a rite of passage in school. It was a very different time, but like, I don't disagree that this is something that you hear about in single gender schools and in like boarding schools where people are like technically, you know, like by undergraduation. Have yeah, you heard this, about that? Yeah, I guess. But this was, he's born 44, so he would have been uni in the 60s. 60s was like the free love period, right? Oh so, yeah, actually, yeah, no, that makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we don't really know about the accuracy of this, but it perpetuates the stereotype that, like, it's a choice lah. But we have to take note that this happened about half a century ago, so, like, the beliefs were very different at the time. Mm. So, Bernard thought that his relationship with other boys was just, like, a passing phase, and after he graduated, he just really, really wanted to have sex with a woman for the first time. So, that was his goal. Have sex with a woman. Okay. So he goes and works for the French diplomatic service and at 20, he's posted to Beijing, to the French embassy, as an accountant. And the year was 1964 and this was how he met Shipepu. It was just around Christmas and at that point of time, Shipepu was 26 and it was described to be a Christmas party at the French embassy being hosted by someone called Claude Chayette. And also at this point of time, Shipepu was dressed as a man, okay? He wasn't dressed as a woman at this party. Okay. And there is a photo of him, the one that's most commonly used in articles when you Google about him, where he's wearing traditional Chinese opera clothes and eyeliner. And just very objectively, he is a very pretty man. He's a very beautiful man. Okay. What was he in his opera clothes at the embassy? He was performing? No, no, he was in his regular clothes. Oh. But when you Google him, his, it's always like this black and white photo of him oh, in right. um, opera clothes. So he has a very dainty face and he definitely has a smaller frame. And there is a quote that says that he used to fascinate both men and women. So like definitely like a testament to his looks. So now we know that Bernard had a history of dating men, but his goal was to have sex with a woman. So he wasn't actually looking for Shipepu. Except Shipepu, he took him aside and told him that, oh, I am actually a woman. Why did okay. Yeah. And I'm a woman who is forced to live as a man in order to fulfill my father's wish to have a son. Mulan. <laughs> okay, right? So given the preference for boys in China and other East Asian cultures, it's like believable. You know what I mean? Okay. And yeah, okay. so they hooked up. Alright, and at this point of time you're like, oh if they hooked up, surely he would have been able to tell that Shipepu was a man. Mm. But Shipepu actually was able to retract his testicles, allegedly. Is it biologically I mean, possible? if you Google it, it says that he can... Okay. <laughs> and um, 
he also like tucked his penis, you know, like drag queens. Yeah. Yeah, and then so it said when they had sex, it was always in the dark. Right. And always very quick. Okay. Which I guess also is a little bit of Bernard's fault. Yeah. But yeah. Well, he wouldn't know, right? Because he's never had sex with a woman. Oh, true. I did it. Oh, you know, like, like... Oh, this is surprisingly similar <laughs> to sex with guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's a fair point. Yeah, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so Bernard was later asked about this and he said that Shipepu was very shy and he thought that it was just like a Chinese custom to have very quick sex in the dark. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alright, and so they met in 1964, right? And so in 1965, which is just about a year later, Shipepu says that he's pregnant, that she's pregnant. And Bernard believes him. And I guess in the 60s, you don't really ask too many questions when somebody tells you that they are pregnant, you know what I mean? So Shipepu, he actually buys a baby boy from a doctor in Xinjiang. And if Xinjiang sounds familiar to you, that's because there's quite a bit of controversy with the quote-unquote internment camps there right now. Mm. But Xinjiang is home to the Uyghur people. And they aren't ethnically like Han Chinese. And visually, they tend to look a little bit more mixed. So he buys a, a baby from a doctor and Bernard actually believes that the boy is his child because the boy looks more mixed. He casually buys a baby from a doctor. It's the 60s in <laughs> <laughs> communist era China. It's a girl, I'm guessing. The, 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 the child baby. is a boy. Interesting. That's yeah. strange, right? Because in that era... It would have been easier to buy a, a girl, right? Yeah. Right? Wouldn't but no. the families want to keep the guys? He manages to, to buy a boy and... And Bernard, actually, like, it said that he tried to convince himself, or he was convinced that there was some sort of, like, resemblance to him and the boy. Right. Yeah. No, they uh, all just look like potatoes at that point. <laughs> no. Like, oh, or look, it, French potato. It could be that, like, Shepepu brought, like, a photo of Bernard and was like, I need, like, <laughs> someone. But he, but he has, oh, I see. But he has the baby. And bring the baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, French potato, French fry. <laughs> French potatoes are French fries. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Bernard is working for as an accountant for the French diplomatic service. So he doesn't just like remain in China. He ends up being posted to a bunch of different countries from posting to posting in East Asia and Southeast Asia. Hmm. And this whole period of time, he's kind of maintaining a relationship, a, a kind of relationship with Shipepu. And we don't really know if it was like an open relationship or they had some sort of agreement, but Bernard was definitely sleeping around. Okay. And he's kind of like getting more comfortable with himself because when he left France, he was very dedicated to like, oh, I must sleep with a woman. But during this point of time in the French diplomatic service, he embraces his bisexuality. So he ends up hooking up like with a bunch of women. But he also has another long-term relationship with another Frenchman called Terry. Mm. Um, but he is also still invested in Shepepu and his child. So he has many, many things going on. But his ultimate goal is to form a like trouble. So he wants to live in France with him his wife, Shepepu, and his husband, Terry. You know what I mean? That kind of... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, his, and his baby. Yeah, so him, his male partner, female partner, and his child. And it sounds a bit scandalous now, but it was probably even more scandalous in the 1960s to 1970s. Right. 
Now, another thing that happened in the 1960s was that China went through its cultural revolution, and that happened from 66 to 76, so it's a whole decade. And contrary to the name, the cultural revolution wasn't so much about culture as dragging out and killing anyone who was opposed to the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and burning lots of books. Yes, burning lots of books, killing anyone who was part of the quote-unquote old tradition, anyone who was urban, anyone who was western, seizing people's property, violence, rape. So all in all, just not a great time to be in China. And at this point of time, they were also closing out all the embassies because it was really dangerous. And so Bernard believed that his lover and his child were trapped in this very precarious environment. And it is fair to assume, I would have also assumed that they were in danger. And it was around this time he was approached by the member, a member of the Chinese Secret Service, Kang Sheng. And so he told him that if Bernard passes the Secret Service some documents, documents of his experience and his time working in the French diplomatic service, he would give him access to Shipepu and his child. And this starts in 1969. And later, from 1977 to 1979, about like a decade of this, Bernard was supposed to be working in the French embassy in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. And one of his jobs was to make a weekly trip into Beijing with a pouch of information. Like think of like the red suitcase, like of a important documents and what he would do is actually make photocopies of these documents so one set goes to the embassy and another set goes to the Chinese secret service and I assume it's also during this trip that he was allowed to see Shipepu and his son he also thought that if he didn't acquiesce to the request they would probably hurt Shipepu and hurt his his son which is very fair because they totally would So he ends up moving back to France in 1979 at the end of his time in Mongolia slash Beijing. And in 1982, he manages to get his son out of China. And at this point, his son was about 16 years old. So he left already. So should people do this? Just raising the kid by himself? Yeah. It's quite a high effort plot. (laughs) (laughs) I assume that he, you know, like you... You can't live with a child or, or people in general and not get invested in them. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I guess. And I guess as a gay slash bisexual man, it would have been very difficult to imagine a family. So I think part of getting a child was also part of what he wanted. I, I can't imagine it was all just to seduce Bernard, right? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't really know what this guy's motivations are. Right? It's, I don't know, I'm a bit lost as well. So at this point of time, it's in the middle of the Cold War. It's a bit... So it's a bit alarming to the French government that suddenly there is a Chinese citizen in France. And so the French counter-espionage service, they end up arresting Bernard, and it all comes out on 30th June 1983. So personally, I'm also assuming he felt a bit safer to reveal this information because his son was with him in Paris already and he was arranging for Shipepu to come to Paris. And when Shipepu did arrive in France, he revealed, like he was being interrogated by the French Espionage Service, yeah. that he, was, he wasn't actually a woman. He was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm not a, I'm not a woman. Okay. And he showed the French doctors how he tucked away his penis to lie to Bernard essentially right. 
And so it was a really difficult period for Bernard. So he tried to defend himself by saying that the kind of documents that he gave to the Chinese Secret Service were generally not sensitive and were like usually publicly available information. Mm. And in total, it's found that he leaked about 150 documents. So on one hand, he was kind of caught betraying his country. And on the other hand, he was also ridiculed because... It's kind of hard to imagine that, like, imagine if, like, after, like, five years, I'm like, surprise, Ruben, I'm a man. No, and I think it was easier to carry on this deception because it's not like they were spending every day together. You know what I mean? They only saw each other, like, intermittently whenever Bernard had to go into Beijing or China, Mm. other parts of China. The thing I think that would have hurt a lot to, would be to learn that his son wasn't actually his son. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that would have like hurt. And so Shepepu and Bernard, they were both sentenced to six years in prison. And in prison, Bernard tried to kill himself by slitting his own throat, but he survived. And so like both of them were pardoned in the next year in 1987 okay. as an effort to defuse tensions between France and China. And the French president at the time actually said that it was just like a, like, not directly, but he said that it was like a silly matter. You know what I mean? It was like... This Shupepu guy was working for the Chinese government. Uh, I don't think it was really... It, it's never really explained, but I think even if he was, it probably wasn't by choice. Right, okay. Uh, we can only make assumptions, but there is a long-form book about this particular case. But in all transparency, I didn't read it because it was a little bit too long. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what all these people's motive... Whether they were actually just naive or they all had yeah. some so hidden it, motivations. Yeah, yeah. Now, Shepepu, after his release, he went back uh, to performing as an opera singer... Um, we aren't too clear as to what happened to Bernard, but I think it's, it's fair to assume that it would have been really hard to find a job after being caught for, essentially, espionage. Right. But I guess he's an accountant by trade and training, so maybe he could go into, like, family accounting or something. You can go work for the Chinese government. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but we know that he lived for quite a while longer because there there are interviews with him from a French nursing home. It's also said that their son had three kids and is still living in Paris. How does the son feel about all of this? Uh, I don't know, but I think he's just trying to keep low-key, you know, he's not going around announcing this. And I think that like after essentially raising someone for like 16 18, whatever, 20 years, it's very hard to suddenly just, like, decide that, like, no, you're not my kid. That's why you always hear about, like, you know, like, step-parents who still keep in contact even after they break up with... But the... But the Shupeipu dude left him and went back to China. Uh, no, no, no. I think he still stayed in... Oh, so they, yeah. he was a opera singer in Paris. Uh, but, like, they just, I guess, never spoke again. Right. No, actually, no, I'm wrong. They they spoke intermittently over the years, but they just never, like, I don't think they ever got into a relationship again. Again, not too clear. Yes. Mm, okay. Shepe Pu, he died at the age of 70 on 30th June 2009 in Paris. And that was the end of that. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast, Ruben. Thanks, Teddy. 
You didn't sound very happy. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> it is um, both our birthdays this month. Week. Week. This week, yeah. Yeah, so I guess this episode will come out like the week after because I don't feel like I want to rush and edit something. But do send your birthday messages in the comments and the DMs. Which I think will be very cute to read. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. me asking <laughs> for <laughs> more interaction. And um, as always, you can find us online at abriefcasepodcast.com and on Instagram at abriefcasepodcast. And do join us next week for... Another Briefcase. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.